0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's Brandon Savainaya, and I am here with Jasmine Tuitama-Roberts. She is known for her TikTok and Instagram uh, content, which I have been enjoying for the last few months. They're very informative, very educational. Um, They also bring up a lot of um, uh, issues within the community, the Polynesian community and Pacific Islander community. Um, so I'll let Jasmine introduce herself.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. Um, how's it going, y'all? I'm Jasmine Tutama-Roberts. I go by Yasumini online, and you've probably seen me talking about the Pacific Islander experience on TikTok, and I'm super hyped to be here.
0: Um, let's talk about, um... I really want to talk about your Spotify, Spotify playlist. And mm-hmm. I've kind of been following and I'm not very, I don't want say I'm not very tech savvy, which running us going to and finding a Spotify, play, Spotify playlist should be pretty easy, but I still have issues. Um, mm-hmm. So what's going on with that? I've, I've read uh, or I've seen that people have been adding stuff to it. That's not even has to do with Pacific Islander content.
1: Right. So, I'll just kind of back up and talk about, like, how it came from. So, you know, every month, every May, rather, uh, like, companies do their little AAPI spiel, and sometimes it's performative, and, like, a lot of times, as Pacific Islanders, we find that these companies, especially, like, media companies, they don't fully commit to inclusion, and I found myself frustrated that, you know, Spotify was... One of those examples, because they had a you know AAPI Pride playlist, and when I checked the playlist, there was only one artist who was Pacific Islander that was Ali Kovalio, and three of her songs were on that playlist. I, I think one of them was from the Moana soundtrack. But I was so frustrated. I went on to TikTok and was like, you know what? We should probably do a collaborative playlist because I can't count on um companies to do a good enough job to like come out and provide artists that we know and love and we think other people would enjoy. So I created this collaborative playlist because um there's only so many uh Pacifica artists that I'm aware of. You know, um I grew up I grew up on the east coast. I wasn't that involved in like I guess um like, the music and the the TV shows and all of that, like, outside of uh, the Pacific. Because, you know, I was very immersed in American culture. But I knew that my following, I knew that um, they might have had a bunch of suggestions. So I left it open and people were adding, um, they were adding music to it. A lot of artists that I hadn't heard of and a lot of artists that I've added to my own personal playlist. And I really enjoyed the content. But... I guess maybe like two or three weeks into it, I noticed that there were people who were starting to add music that was not by uh, Asian or Pacific Islander artists. And mind you, when um, I think the last time I had checked the playlist before it had been tampered with, there were about, there's about like 50 hours worth of content on that playlist. When I checked again, someone went in and deleted all of those entries and replaced the, um, Replaced it with artists that I knew were not Pacific Islanders because I knew I would. I knew it when I went and I researched all the artists that were on this playlist. A lot of them were based in Europe. A lot of like indie artists or you know um, DJs and stuff like that. So I had to uh, make the playlist non collaborative, and I'm still working on fixing it. Um, so that was like the whole thing that was like going on. It was it was pretty disappointing because it went from 50 hours to 14 hours i was pretty crushed
0: a lot of that was artists trying to self-promote themselves
1: yeah yeah like some sometimes people would add their entire like discography on the playlist
0: that that's pretty messed up mm-hmm. um so were you pretty disappointed that there wasn't that like i was disappointed in the list that Amazon put out for movies and TV shows, um, right. with Pacific Islander representation. Um, some of it was like, not even Aquaman, they couldn't even get that. Or I think the rock took up some of it, most of the <laughs> PI creator credits. Um, but there was a lot of older movies that not, not even well writer. Or the order, right,
1: right, right. And
0: right. I was pretty disappointed in that. And then eventually, after about a week, I went back on and I started finding some of those more newer uh, films. Mm-hmm. But there was uh, not mm. not even by uh, not even a lot by Taika Waititi, which was kind of disappointing too. Like mm-hmm. I think they only had like Jojo Rabbit and Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of disappointing that there's not much PI in AAPI. Yes. And it, I don't know if it's something I just became like kind of aware of within the last couple months, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like even music wise. So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, the only Mm -hmm. thing that we had when I was a kid was the jets. Um, Mm -hmm. it was the jets. And then about the, Mid nineties we got a group from I think they're from Hawaii called Boys of Paradise and mm-hmm. then the Katana Brothers and then uh oh well Fiji was always there. And then mm-hmm. Fiji was like the big name. And that was it. We didn't right. really hear anything else until probably the mid two thousands. Um mm-hmm. with stuff coming out. And even even movie wise, uh mm-hmm. I think in, in the first podcast I talk about having to bootleg uh movies from New Zealand uh, right. because I've heard so so many great things about them and how you know it represents the culture and the struggles that the culture is going through in New Zealand with the maoris um, mm-hmm. but yeah just having not, not even having access to them like it's great now that we have streaming but before right. you had to rely on bootlegs you had to borrow it from somebody and that was like the only copy there was And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a real struggle in those days to find content. Um, Mm -hmm. Mainly what I got was from my my auntie in Laie was the PCC tapes. That was Mm -hmm. pretty much all I got. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I guess when I was growing up, it it was kind of strange. I grew up in... um, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia, very heavy military presence. I grew up in a tiny Samoan church in Norfolk, Virginia. And, like, I was born in 93, so, you know, I would have remembered stuff in, like, the early 2000s. That was, like, my childhood. In terms of music, uh, I was so, like, deeply involved in the church scene that just like contemporary modern day music was not a thing for me. Like I knew about like I knew about the rock, uh, and Rikishi and that was pretty much about that. If it wasn't related to the church, I didn't know anything about it. And then, you know, once I got older, you know, we started going to more functions and stuff like that. You know, like you said, Fiji was there, um and then you know, Jamwood, Jam, Pacific Soul, you know, those staples was party staples and then you know gradually more artists started to slowly be introduced to me i feel like you know being over here because i have such a a small community like news of movies and artists and stuff like that it comes to us at a much slower pace um which is why when i got on to you know, TikTok and, like, Polynesian Twitter and all of that. It was just this complete overload uh, of just forms of, like, representation. And, you know, this whole time I've been thinking that nobody is out here on the scene, you know, doing these super cool things. And then I find out that we've been here this entire time. Nobody's, um, like, nobody's lending a platform or anything to amplify our voices or nobody nobody's noticing us, so to speak. And um, I know with like, I was actually really surprised when I uh, with uh, the was it like the Hulu playlist, Amazon like movie playlist, playlist as well, because personally, like, you know, Taika Waititi, one of the like, biggest directors in the industry, like, uh, for like Pacifica people. And one of my favorite movies is actually by him. It's called Boy. I think it was released in like what, like 2012. But I thought that would have been a perfect movie for the playlist because not only is it, you know, written and directed by him, but, you know, it's about like a a young uh, Maori family and they're dealing with, you know, grief and they're kind of going with the motions of it. But it's one of those instances where I spoke about this before, where, like, it's about Pacifica people, but it's not something that's necessarily, like, rooted in... The culture itself, like the culture, kind of plays kind of like a backdrop, but it's not like the the um, it's not the centerpiece to the entire film. You know, it, it provides you uh, environmental context, um, and it's just about these people who just so happen to be Maori, and they're going through something that, like I think everyone can relate to on a human level, and the way it was written, I'm going off on a tangent now about how much I love this movie, but the way it was written um, is in such a, like a psycho a kind of way where, you know, you have something that's just so, like, sad and you have that, it, it's kind of um, woven into, uh, like, just other types of human emotions. Like, there was, it was really funny. That's, that was the thing. The movie was, extremely funny and it kind of reminded me about how um pacifica people polynesians you know growing up with like polynesians how like we kind of laugh at everything like we even laugh at things we probably shouldn't be laughing at you know things that are kind of sad or like upsetting we still manage to like um sometimes people use that as a coping mechanism but other times, you know, we're always laughing about it. So I thought that was such a, like, a good representation of, I guess, Pacifica people. But in a way that's not so, like, on the nose. I thought that would have been a really good addition to, um, like, the film playlist. But I was just so disappointed when it wasn't there. Um, but, yeah, like even now, you know, on TikTok, I'm coming across a lot of upcoming, um, like, Pacifica, like, musicians and like uh, filmmakers and all of that. And it's so exciting to see that, you know, our people are investing in, um, you know, their own like artistic crafts because, you know, because of our own contributions to say like, you know, the military culture and sports culture, you know, they say like um, Polynesians, at least here in the States, they're 27 times more likely to be um, drafted for the NFL. People are aware um, around the world, of our our physicality, how strong we are as people, but no one ever really knows about um, how storytelling and you know that type of artistry is it, it's embedded in our culture. You know, we're all storytellers, and I think it's such a beautiful part of Polynesians or Pacifica culture that oftentimes um, it just it's ignored. And I think like, you know, in terms of API month, I think that would have been a really good opportunity for these, you know, these companies, media companies to go on and showcase it, but they didn't. So, you know, oftentimes we're like, you know, if you wanna get something done, you have, to, you have to do it yourself. And that's kind of how I felt about the entire thing.
0: Yeah, I think TikTok has enabled um, more creation, And it's getting it's getting people's names out there, um, as as well as YouTube and uh, social media in general. And I think that's a great thing because you know you wouldn't hear about these little you know Polynesians and Pacific Islanders stepping out of their comfort zone and what they what they're expected. Um, There's a have you ever heard of the band Shepherd's Rain? Yes. Yeah, so I would have never heard about so them if it wasn't for YouTube. Oh. And yeah. so seeing that, you know, I think it was uh you get metal fans react, American metal fans reactions to Shepherd's Reign and they don't know mm-hmm. what to think. Their mind is blown. Mm-hmm. And I love it when you get that when you get somebody stepping out of their comfort zone or what is expected of them and I just it, it's an appreciation that I have. For that through social media and tiktok because right, right. I, like i found you through tiktok and that opened mm-hmm. up a whole thing for poly poly tiktok mm-hmm. and so i'm you know i'm learning a lot too because you know it's, it's a mall language week and there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of content creators with um with lessons on there and that, you know that's something i really appreciate
1: mm-hmm
0: Um, one of your posts, you you just talked about, uh, how, uh, Polynesian or in the movie boy, how, um, they take something very, uh, tragic and they kind Mm -hmm. of normalize it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, one of your posts was like how your dad would talk about something that was, um, that, that sounds tragic to you, but just kind of like just brushes it off.
1: Right. Right.
0: And that's how, um, so, I always heard, oh man, I hope my mom doesn't kill me for this. Um, so, my grandfather was a very small man, but mm-hmm. I've heard stories about him, how he would just, did not back down from anybody, even mm-hmm. though he was a, a tiny man. Um, but I've, we it was at one of my auntie's funerals, they were telling, mm-hmm. and this happens every get together. They talk about how hard of a disciplinarian he was, that famous Mm -hmm. Polynesian discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, And in today's uh, view of the law, it'd be child abuse. Right. And the way that my aunts talk about it, they laugh about it. And I had one cousin who, um, she was actually uh, born in America and raised in Sicily she was kind of horrified by the stories. And I was like, this is something that's, you know, my aunts have come to normalize, I guess not, you know, Mm -hmm. just that story. And like when they were kids, but not when they're adults. Right. And she was kind of shocked by it. It It's like, why you say he was such a humble man and he was a great man, but yet he, he beat you guys. Mm -hmm. And my aunts were like, that's just how it was. Mm -hmm. And I have, a guy i don't want to say his name or give away his location but he's from samoa he's married to a palauing mm-hmm. lady and he was mm-hmm. telling me i have to learn what child abuse is because cuz he's from samoa he's like we mm-hmm. don't know what that is in samoa
1: right
0: and it's kind of like i was kind of taken back by that but i remember when i went to samoa when i was 15 i would hear stories about how some of these kids would be beaten pretty badly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it's you know i don't know if that's something that has kind of like i guess it's evolved as the longer um polynesians and pacific Islanders have been in in the united states
1: yeah like my parents haven't my family hasn't been here for very long i'm first generation my mom and dad moved to uh america from as a couple they moved here in 1985 my dad's been here since the 70s but after he got married my mom came over here and then that's where the family started so it's it's very much i know with me personally with you know with my family it's been very much kind of like a long journey kind of getting you know your parents to kind of unlearn certain types of behaviors now i was it sounds so strange to say this, but, like, I was lucky enough that, you know, my parents, they they understood that concept. And I know that, like, I know that my mom and my dad, they, like, never raised a hand to us when we were children. However, you know, you get chewed out by an old Samoan person from the islands. It, it can be pretty cutting. And, you know, my mom used to tell me that, back on the islands, children are meant to be seen and not heard. Now, I don't know, I don't know what was different with my parents. I still am not sure. But, you know, my parents always listened to us. So, you know, as we got older, and we got better at communicating our feelings, um, we managed to kind of work through certain types of conflicts. So now, you know, my family, I think we're pretty good at uh, communicating. However, you know, I still see instances in where a parent will lash out at, at a child. I remember like in my church, I was seeing children, you know, be disciplined pretty harshly. Um, and nobody would bat an eye. And I know you're, you're speaking about, you know, your auntie's at the funeral. That kind of reminded me what I went to my grandpa's funeral when I was, uh, 24 so that was like maybe like three years ago almost three years ago at this point and um my uh, all of my aunts and my uncles they would go up and you know tell a cute little story about our grandpa you know everyone would be laughing but a good chunk of those stories would always end up in somebody getting beat and i i think at this point like i was i was conflicted and i think a lot of times that's kind of the struggle of Somebody who was raised in a particular um, norm, like a cultural norm, and you are kind of un- uh, you're untangling yourself from that and trying to figure out whether or not something is okay or not. So I understood that that was the norm because that's something that my parents told me. You know, they would tell me that you know their parents they were harsh, they did this and that, but they still loved them, and it was normal. Back in the day, and it, you know, it just kind of goes to show: just because something is normal, doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. And you know, even in these days, you know, you can you can talk about the topic of uh, like discipline, and so many uh, Pacific Islanders will will bristle; they'll be very defensive about it. they will be like, "Well, that's just um, that's just discipline," and I think, like at that point because we're still kind of learning about these things because personally i don't think it's been so long in our inv- in like in our culture overseas to the point where you see that like more people are starting to be exposed to um i guess like different types of like education and um where they can go and they can kind of like reflect and share what they know or at least that was the case in my community. Um, I know my siblings and I were uh, one of the first people in my community to um, go to college and all of that. So I definitely think it's it's a learning um, process and you know somebody else brought up something very interesting when we talked about um, like discipline where they're saying it's like a, a colonizer mentality because, um, there were, someone mentioned when colonizers came to the islands and they were, you know, teaching people about how they did things, wherever they came from, you know, any type of, um, rule breaking was met with violence. You would be disciplined physically. And so obviously there would be trauma that would come from it. and you know, without any way, without any outlet to, you know, um, just kind of reflect and heal from that, it unfortunately passed down to what we see as um, child abuse or discipline today, which would be child abuse. So I think, you know, that's just kind of another example of kind of decolonizing your mindset, though, ironically enough. You know, you've, I'm sure you've heard it where people will say, you know, if you call out people for disciplining their kids by beating them, by calling a child abuse, then you're like, you're, you want to be white. You don't want to be someone. And it's just a really, I've seen that type of attitude, too. It's really strange.
0: Yeah, my, so my, luckily my aunt, my aunties and my uncles didn't carry on with that. Mm-hmm type of discipline mm-hmm. like we still got we still got sasas we still got spanked um, yeah. but it wasn't you know life threatening we didn't have to go to the hospital um, it's a, I want to bring up so I have never heard the term colonizer brought up with Pacific Islander culture until I came across your TikTok and I never thought about it in that way and I sat for a, f- a few minutes thinking about that I was like wow that that really does apply um mm-hmm. i was on i've came across um someone tiktok today and so he's half someone half black and it was going over mm-hmm. what afakasi meant and then how and i've heard it i've heard this before that mm-hmm. we shouldn't be calling we shouldn't be saying Meuli. Mm-hmm. and i that was the first time i ever heard that and thinking about it i've really never, ever heard that word used in a positive context. Right. Um, so what, I don't know, what word should we be using instead? Or is there a word we should be using?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, so just real quick, because I know people might be scratching their heads. You know, you break down the word neoli. Nea means thing, uli is black. So you use it to address a black person, you're like literally calling them like a black thing. It would be more appropriate to call someone, you know, um was it tanatsa uli. So tanatsa is a person, uli, you know, short for uli uli or lanu uli uli, which is black. Um it's more it's more appropriate, it's more humanizing in that way like a lot of people kind of i i feel like i've seen i've actually seen that TikTok that you're referring to um if, if i if i remember correctly um actually i'm mutuals with this person his name is uh william find it he goes by Amuso on um like i know on instagram he teaches uh he does one classes um i've taken a couple of his classes but that's another thing that, you know, you bring up in like a, like a Polynesian or a Pacifica, uh, uh, like sphere in, in an environment, you talk about um, anti-blackness and how, you know, our language perpetuates anti-blackness and how it's also kind of indicative of how colonization has affected us. Um, and of course, you'll get people who, of course, they they bristle, you know, they get offended, because they're like, that's just how it's been. You know, that's just, that's just the way it is. How dare you criticize the language in our culture? We don't claim you, things like that. You know, they'd rather, um, instead of reflecting on it and taking accountability and, you know, adjusting your ways to, you know, help decolonize your language and your mindset, you kind of, you just kind of want to, like, shift the blame or you just you don't want to take responsibility for it because that's admitting that there's there's something wrong with the culture you know in the the mindset of these people i feel like you know when you have conversations with people who are not willing to admit the or understand the issue the, the issues within you know the culture they have a very dichotomized viewpoint of it it's either we're completely right or we're completely wrong it's never well, this is not particularly right. Here's a way to correct that. So they'll just see it as you're attacking my culture. So I'm just going to not listen to you, or um, say horrible things about you. That's kind of how it's been with, uh, with my own experience. But, you know, circling back to uh, the TikTok we we're referring to, yes, the correct term for black person that people are trying to enforce these days would be um, uli.
0: Okay, and I'm, it's pretty crazy because I'm learning more about the culture from TikTok than pretty much anything that I've gotten in the past.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> Which is, you know, people just think TikTok's just for people who dance and want to stitch together videos. I don't know. It, you know, being, I don't want to say that I'm from an older generation because I'm only 38, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. usually people my age don't care for social media. And, right. you know, I, I just, I'm drawn to it because I'm learn. I learn, you know, everybody says, oh, it's a time suck. You're, you're just wasting your time. But I actually find informative educational material on there, not mm-hmm. just about our culture, but, you know, about science, about, um, geography. You can find anything on, on TikTok, which is pretty great. It's not just meant for one thing. Yeah. And that also brings me to, um, gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm half Pelongue, and mm-hmm. my entire life, I've always, I've always had this desire to be darker. Like I've always want, I seen my cousins and I'm like, you know, I've gotten, I don't want to say hate, I'll say flack for not being dark enough. Like I got mm-hmm. made fun of for that growing up, you know, mm-hmm. in the Midwest or anywhere I went, where there was a lot of Polynesians, um, you know, and it's something that's bothered me my entire life because I've always, mm-hmm. you know, I was raised by my mother and my Samoan family, and that's pretty much all I really knew. It's that we just mm-hmm. didn't—I didn't speak the language. My mom and all of them did. It just—they mm-hmm. I mean, were too busy to teach us because you know I'm a single mom and you know working full time and my grandma Mm -hmm. didn't speak really great English, it was passable. But I also didn't take the desired time out to like, hey, can you teach me Samoan? Or my uncle used to fire knife dance. I never thought like, oh, maybe I can ask him to teach me how to fire knife dance. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ran into those things where like, oh, you're not brown enough. You're not Samoan enough to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: be part of our group. And I kept on continuing running into that. And I think it with with age it kinda disappears because now it's not even that big of a deal. Um mm-hmm. but for the younger generation it might be. Like my kids are half Cuban, quarter Samoan, quarter Palangi, and what mm-hmm. kind of you know, what are they gonna run into? And you All know, right. I really want them to embrace the Samoan culture as well as their Cuban culture too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you talk about gatekeeping, it was a while ago, but um, what are your experiences with that?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's really interesting um, because, you know, both of my parents came from Samoa, uh, like the, the independent uh, nation of Samoa, and growing up in Norfolk, Virginia, like, No, like hardly any Polynesians around me. Um, Like, if you hear me speak English, you know I have a very general American accent. I might overpronounce my syllables a little bit, but to other uh, other Samoans who I would meet, they would think it's it's weird. You know, they would they would think I sound I sound like a white person, and oftentimes, you know, people would just tease me for my accent. Sometimes my word choice, you know, I was, I was pretty bookish when I was younger. So, and I like to write. So, you know, my word choice sometimes might be a little bit uh, flowery. Um, But it caused a lot of tension with my relationship with uh, the Samoan culture, because I had so many people telling me, oh well you're not someone you're white and i remember for the longest time i remember maybe from middle school so we're talking 12 13 up until up until college really uh i wanted nothing to do with you know someone culture because to me if i'm not someone enough for people in my own community to accept me and so what is the point in being Samoan? I don't understand. Why was I born Samoan? You know, so like I would just completely block it out. No, it wasn't necessarily like if someone came up to me, it was like, Oh, are you Samoan? I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not. I'd be like, yeah, but you know, like the way I feel about the culture now is a lot different from when I was younger. And, you know, gradually these little things would kind of begin to, um, pile on, because then people would start looking at my hobbies, for instance, like, oh, um, like, you don't listen to this type of music, or you enjoy doing this, you know, you enjoy doing this one thing. And that's, that's weird. Uh, You're white, only white people do that. Some ones don't do these types of things. And, of course, you know, it got to a point where I just completely stopped caring. I think I must have been in college. And, you know, I got onto Tumblr, and I found the Polynesian community out there, and I found out that not only were there people who had similar interests to me, but there are also people who had um, different interests than me, some people who shared interests with the kids that I grew up with. And they loved, you know, their culture. They were very accepting. And I think that one instance of me, like, just meeting other Samoans who are just very accepting it kind of opened me up to, you know, fully accepting my culture where it's like, you know, your issue with, um, with me not being like you, that's not my problem. You know, any problem you have with me, if it's nothing that I've done to you, if your problem just with me as a person, that's none of my business, that's none of my problem. The issue is that you can't accept the fact that there are people who are not like you, who are not within, you know, they don't, um, adhere to your own ideas of what a someone should be, and that you know that's something you have to deal with yourself. But I thought what was really funny about it was a lot of these kids who would pick at me for you know these very superficial things. These things had no bearing on the culture whatsoever. You know, I my mom and dad are from Samwun. I was raised in the church. You know, I can. Well, I, I'm not fluent in Samhain, you know, but it actually those things don't really matter. The point is, you know, I'm I was born Samhain, you know, I was this is my uh I was born with this club membership. You can't take it away. I can't even give it away if I wanted to. Not that I do. Um, but what was very interesting to me the older I got was that this is something I found that's like exclusively. Um, I wouldn't say exclusively, but very common for Pacific Islanders in the um, diaspora to deal with, you know? Like, I'm sitting here having these kids make fun of me because I don't listen to a particular kind of music, and yet none of us can speak Samoan. None of us are familiar with, like, certain aspects of the culture. What are you talking about? You know, you have just as much to learn as I do. And I think the, the gatekeeping is kind of a form of, uh, people kind of projecting their own insecurities of their lack of, um, I guess, connection to the culture. You know, it's really hard being away from your ancestral homeland. You know, you grow up in a place like America, right? Where you're surrounded by, um, just different cultures. You know, you live in a land where the master statuses are, you, you're most likely going to be surrounded by, by white people, you know, um, of course there are like other diverse communities, but in terms of like representation, you know, the music that you consume, the you know, in academic spaces and stuff like a lot of these things are geared to cater to white people. So of course it's gonna be extremely isolating and you're gonna feel that disconnect from your culture. So I understand that, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, you see a, a child who doesn't connect to what your idea of someone culture is, of course you're going to pick on them. That doesn't necessarily make it right, but that's been my own experience with it these days though. Like I know people in my own community, they know, they already know. I don't play with that. Like I don't play that game because I remember there was this girl in my church a couple years ago. Um, she mentioned just casually, you know, Oh, I want to be a rocket scientist should have been like what 12 or 13 one of the boys was like oh that's like really white i turned around i'm like what did you say he's like that's why i was like no it's not white and i told her i was like you want to be a rocket scientist you can be a rocket scientist there can be someone rocket scientist too you know just study um and i think it's important for like the i guess the older generation to not just kind of not just reaffirm your own cultural connection your own cultural identity but also kind of teach people that it's okay to be different from one another. You know, we can still be bound by our cultural identity and have different interests. That's perfectly fine. But you know, it, it, again, it's like a whole learning process and it can be frustrating, but you know, I'm really glad that I, have since I put out that type of content, because I already know a lot of my content in the beginning was just griping about gatekeeping because it's something that it, it, it made me so angry. That's one of the things that, like, upsets me. Just gatekeeping, especially in the Samoan culture, because, you know, it caused me so much pain. But, you know, I was happy that I was creating content. And there were so many people who reached out. I mean, you reached out to me because of my gatekeeping content. So Because you know, it, think, it was
0: something yep. that I went through, but I just didn't know the word for it. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it just, you know, I don't want my kids to have to go through that. And, you know, I don't think anybody should have to go through it, you know, and the thing is you're the content or what we're doing is empowering these younger generations. I think it's like, to me, it's like a generational thing. The more that we learn, the more Mm -hmm. that we learn that we can climb in society, the more that we break stereotypes and boundaries. You know, we're going to see higher college attendance and graduation among Polynesians and Pacific Islanders. We're going to see, and and that's one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast is to reach out and find those uh, Polynesian lawyers, find those doctors, find those professors. Because Mm -hmm. growing up, you don't hear about a lot of that and yeah. it, it's kind of, it, to me it's sad because we are more to offer than just um construction worker uh football player you know the the stereotypical things that you think Polynesians do you know we yeah. have so much more to offer than what we're told exactly and it's something like i it took me a while to graduate from college because you know, I was very, you know, when I first went to college in 2001, I didn't, you know, I went because I didn't, you know, I, so let me just go. Most of my friends growing up were white because I went to the other side, the other school where there was probably five Polynesians, whereas the other school where most of my family went were, was like 60% Polynesian. And so I grew mm-hmm. up around a lot of, uh, uh white friends. And so it was seen that if you didn't go to college, you were kind of a loser. And so Mm -hmm. I I went to college not knowing what I wanted to do, not knowing where I was going to go. And I had learning disabilities. I still do. I have ADD and Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready for it. I just felt pressured into doing it because I didn't want to be a loser who was just working. And Mm -hmm. I paid the price for that because I ended up dropping out. I would go back and forth, you know, work take year, take year off go to college and it wasn't until i moved to california that i finally got my crap together and it's like okay this is what i'm going to do um Mm -hmm. but it wasn't you know it was encouraged by my mother because um i guess you could say i'm a first generation she was born in american samoa but they you know Mm -hmm. bounced around um Mm -hmm. you know our my cousin's generation was a, we had the opportunity to go to college and mm-hmm. have it be paid for. Um, not you know, our parents didn't have to save up for it. And yeah, I didn't see when I gra- I didn't see a lot of Polynesians going to college when I graduated. Like if they went, they went for a football scholarship or right. for a volleyball scholarship. And I, th- I just think there's not a huge emphasis put on education. It's more put on, you know work.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of things about this podcast are interesting, but, um, it's kind of similar to my mom and dad's mindset. So when they came here, you know, they always tell me, you know, they couldn't think about certain things, you know, the focus was on survival, you know, like you're kind of backed into a a corner, right? Because, you know, you can't really focus on investing in education because the bills are due, you know, my mom and dad specifically, you know, who can think about, you know, for instance, like teaching your children someone when, you know, one parent is on deployment, the other parent's relearning English, and it's better to just speak to your kids in English. So you'll, you know, pick up faster because you have to pick the best route for survival. And I think a lot of times when it comes to like kind of a, a lack of education in the um, in the community i do think a lot of that is the fact that as due to the fact that our community is still in survival mode you know you you're working because you know you have bills are due you have to support your family you you know how our families our families are huge and you know it, it sometimes it seems kind of the outcome seems kind of bleak because just the the idea of having a chance at any type of upwards mobility, um, you know, just to increase your own socioeconomic status, it, it seems so seems so far away. And I definitely know that was the case for a lot of um, like a lot of families in in my community. I don't know with me, with me personally. Like to be honest, I did not have a choice with college, you know, um, because my mom and dad, because they were, uh, my parents are very hard workers and like they kind of, they hustled and struggled through all the time because they they specifically wanted us to, my siblings and I, they wanted us to go to college. So for me to have um, my parents kind of come in raising their kids with with this type of goal in mind and then turning around and seeing what's the norm for the society. Um just the difference, it's always been kind of it's been staggering to me, you know, but I noticed that, you know, as I kind of made my way through college, as have my siblings, I noticed that it's become more of a norm um among like Pacific Islands, or it's becoming like more common rather because I know uh I know high school dropout rates were pretty big when I was in high school, and i I remember coming across an article where uh, I forgot I think it was ABC that released it. this was years ago, but they were talking about you know Pacific Islanders are being um they're slipping through the cracks because of you know just kind of this lack of attention and resources being uh distributed to you know our kids. And therefore, you know, you have kids who drop out and kids who immediately enter the workforce because, you know, like I said, they're in survival mode. Bills are coming and there's a lack of resources, you know, to provide these kids so that they'll be able to, you know, go to college and still, you know, take that that strain, that financial strain off their families.
0: Yeah, I think you're starting to see foundations being set up to help out mm-hmm. with some of these educational costs. Um, I know just sports is as a, as a, you know, it's not the best outlet, but it does get them scholarships. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, that's a plus that we have going on in the community, but to see other types of scholarships for other um, different types of I don't, ma- degrees or majors, you know, like we, we that that one girl that wanted to be a rocket scientist. There should be an avenue for her within the within the community to do to be able to achieve those goals.
1: Right. I I feel like I also feel like sometimes it's it's a regional thing too because you know I see so many resources. Uh, I see a lot of well these days i see a lot of resources um well i guess it makes sense because there are more um heavily populated areas that have like a bigger polynesian population um i know where i live it it, you know resources are a little bit more difficult to find because uh either i I still kind of struggle this either there's not enough of us out there out here, or there's a lot of us out here, but, um, we just are kind of, uh, bumping heads in the dark, like we can't find each other yet. Um, but yeah, like, I think, I think it's, uh, accurate to say that there are more resources being afforded to kids who want to, you know, do more than the stereotypical roots, you know, not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I do think, you know, there's, kind of this this narrative, um, and, you know, to go back to the whole like colonial theme. there's like this like colonial narrative where the best thing that we as Pacific Islanders can offer society, because, you know, a lot of times people kind of think that's what education's about, you know, in terms of, you know, getting a better education to, um, make yourself more valuable in a capitalistic sense. Um, But, you know, we have, there's this idea where our greatest asset is our physicality. And though there's not anything particularly wrong with that, like you said, there's, there's so much more that we can offer. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad now that we're starting to, to see that. And I I hope to see that there's a more investment in the future.
0: Yeah. When I graduated in high school in 2001 there was they just started a scholarship program um it was a small scholarship but it helped uh because tuition if you're a resident back in missouri was pretty cheap uh, especially for um a community college so it was called the uso scholarship and i think it was just awarded five hundred dollars a semester i believe um but you know that seeing that grow it, it just gives me hope for the future. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we are, we have way more to offer than what, this, what they stereotypically expect out of us.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I, honestly, I think social media and TikTok is giving platforms for that, which is, I think is amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely helped out. I
1: think, I feel like before social media, you know, your access to, like, academic resources in, um, like, uh, the Pacific space, very much limited. But I know now, you know, like, thanks to, you know, the TikTok algorithm, there's so many, like, our our space, our academic space is becoming more indigenized. It's becoming more Pacifica. And I think that's, I think it's great. You know, there's so many, uh, like, there's so many people who are um, Pacific Islander within the academic space that I learned so much from that I wouldn't have been able to find had it not been for social media.
0: Yeah. And there was, um, that brings me to something that I looked up because you, one of your latest posts was about how they had Tongans and zoos in Europe um so i remember watching uh a film on netflix Uh, it was in german and it was a true it was based on a true story but then i had to look it up they had samoans in like these carnival showcases in the 50s in germany Mm -hmm. and in the in the actual movie i think it's called beer hall push or something like that they had um Samoan, I think it was supposed to be Samoans, but mm-hmm. they had them dressed up like Maori and doing a haka and stuff like that. I'm like, who is doing their research? Like you guys can't even put the right Polynesians in there. Like, right. Right. If you're going to tell the story, at least get it right. Like, and I have a feeling that's like, that's where a lot of people get confused between Tongans, Maoris, Samoans, Tahitians, and all that. And you know, all the Polynesian groups. And, you know, do, do we hold media responsible for that? Should we?
1: Uh that's a good question. Um, honestly, yeah, I know. I do think we should hold media responsible because, you know, they are oftentimes the ones who are amplifying our image. You know, the media that you consume is a reflection of your reality. And if you you know, if you're not showcasing these cultures correctly, then there must be something wrong in how you're portraying us. Um, And I know, gosh, I know that there was like a big fuss about Moana, uh, especially like back when it was first released back in like 2016, um, that Moana homogenized different uh, Polynesian cultures, and that itself you know was an issue because to somebody who is ignorant of the pacific they're not going to know the difference between our different cultures obviously we can point out you know like we can point out that uh you know the dances are a combination of these different cultures you know the the culture on Motunui it resembles you know I kind of felt that there was a lot of Samoan motifs that existed within, uh, I guess, Motsunui culture, just the island itself. It felt very Samoa to me. Go to find out that uh, a heavy amount of the research was actually done in Samoa. And I didn't know how to feel about that because to outsiders, you know, you look at us and you just kind of see one massive uh culture of like pacific islanders it doesn't matter to these people um just like the 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 specifics of the culture like you know Samoans don't do hakas that's that's a maori thing you know the fire knife dance that's that's Samoan. you know To, to a lot of these people that doesn't necessarily matter and you know that's um it's further confirmed in how the media portrays us because what the goal is is to have people consume our culture. And, you know, I think it helps that you have more people becoming aware of these differences and holding the media accountable because, you know, misinformation, it, it can be very dangerous.
0: And that. So, and then that brings me to um one of your posts where they had, um was it a content, a P, uh, AAPI content team or meeting? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. there was virtually no Pacific Islander representation in that.
1: Right. So, I was, uh I think... TikTok had they held this API um, content creator Zoom call, and you know, obviously, you're supposed to invite um, a lot of like what prolific, uh, quote unquote, prolific content creators um, on TikTok who you know helped represented the the com- community. I I received a, a tag on um, on Instagram from somebody who follows me. And um, I guess TikTok was like, oh, tag your favorite content creators so we know. And I saw a lot of criticism saying, like, you know, there's no Pacific Islanders here. So when I looked, I saw maybe, like, one or two Pacific Islanders. And there they they were, like, a bunch of um, Asian people in this call. It, you know, not very surprising, but, you know, still disappointing nonetheless. So... When I went on to TikTok, I talked about it. You know, this isn't surprising, very disappointing. I kind of hope that they would do better. I mean, I guess in hindsight, slightly better from last year because apparently they didn't have any Pacific Islander representation. But, you know, as we know, the Pacific is huge. As is Asia, which is, you know, that's, that's a whole other issue. Like the whole API label, label that's, that's a completely different gripe that I have. But
0: I feel like um, a lot of Pacific Islanders mm-hmm. have that gripe too.
1: Yeah, you know um, the Pacific Islanders that I know who live in like you know um, like New Zealand and Australia—they're confused by the um, the label itself. I I kind of had to explain the history behind it. They're like, "Oh, okay, it doesn't make sense," but you know, at least you explained it.
0: Because it, yeah, it's purely um, an American thing, right?
1: Yeah, because it it over it
0: there is. they like, oh, what is this?
1: Yeah, because, you know, obviously, like, they're taught that Pacific Islander um, and Asians are, were different. Um, and I think this is just kind of another case of, you know, a like a group in power um, who knows nothing about groups of, or people of color, communities of people of color just kind of um, arbitrarily shifting them around when it, when it benefits them. You know, the history existed in that it, it came from the um, civil rights movement in the 1960s. I mentioned on my TikTok before, some Asian-American students in the Bay Area, they were inspired by the Black Civil Rights Movement, decided to mobilize for Asian-American rights. And that's kind of where he came up with the the pan-Asian identity, like Asian-Americans. And then, you know, in the 1980s, you know, we got grouped into it um, because people saw similarities in, you know, the history and the language and our experiences with colonialism, you know, and a lot, I know on my TikTok, some people kind of mentioned, you know, it makes sense because Pacific Islanders, um, some Pacific Islanders, they have ancestors who are from Asia, you know, like I know Micronesians and Polynesians, you know, our ancestors some of us like our ancestors came from um i think like taiwan in yeah. that
0: area yeah i just yeah. listened to a, a book called sea people and the mm-hmm. whole question is where did we come from and it it kind of it doesn't it kind of answers it in a way yeah. um yeah. saying that we came from like thailand taiwan southeast asia and migrated through um, I think the DNA evidence supports that. Um, but they ke- yeah. keep on trying to find this connection because of uh, Easter Island to South America, which I still find, I still think that's an interesting connection. Um, because yeah. TikTok, again, surprises me. And they have, <laughs> uh, it's a documentary by, um, I can't remember if it was a Latin or Hispanic person, uh, that there was a connection between. Um, that Polynesians pretty much came to the Americas before Columbus. That's a whole rabbit hole that I don't want to go down like yet yeah, eventually, but let's <laughs> solve the first, the first issue first. Let's find out where we're definitely from.
1: Yeah. I, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of people kind of like argue, well, you guys came from Asia, so, you know, AAPI should, should stand. and, to me, that is another form of erasure, that is a form of racism, because, well, not only is it like, it excludes certain groups of, of the Pacific as well, because Melanesians, they have a different history than Micronesians and Polynesians. You know, they, they've been in the Pacific for 30,000 years, upwards to 30,000 years. Meanwhile, you know, Micronesia, Polynesia have been settled for, what, like 3,000 years? But the people who came from, you know, Taiwan, you know, you went in, you settled, you know, Micronesia and Polynesia, you mixed with the existing Melanesians, the Papuans, that's what you have like current day Pacific Islanders. Now, I do think it's important to kind of acknowledge our history, our ancestral history, you know, speaking as a Polynesian, um, it's important to for me to acknowledge, yeah, my ancestors might have come from, um, you know, Asia come and mix with the uh the, the Melanesians and that's where my people came from that's where I came from but at the same time you know I do think it's equally as important to acknowledge that we are different today you know we have our own identity you know people say oh it used to be like this it, well it's that's not the case anymore circumstances are different we have a different political socio-political identity we have you
0: know
1: um we have different like customs, different cultures. Yeah, they are similar, but we. Ha- the, what's important is that we have our own identity right now, and um, it's pretty disheartening mm-hmm. that people don't to us when we mention that we're we're different. Um, yeah, like I said, it's okay to acknowledge your roots, but at the end of the day, we are Pacific Islanders, and you know, we've grown in a way that's different from, um, other cultures that exist within Asia.
0: Yeah. Um, and so that, uh, I think you mentioned that now you have, there, there is a Pacific Islander content. Is it a, do you call it a group or, um, team or working group?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, a couple of uh, people reached out to me um, asking about being, like, they're saying they're interested in seeing a Pacific Islander, like, summit, uh, like, video content creator um, meetup in a similar way that TikTok did it, but obviously featuring Pacific Islanders. And um, another content creator, her name is Ainsley Broom, Uh, She's on TikTok. You'll find her. Um, Yeah, her videos get around on TikTok. She's super cool. She's very rad. Um, She reached out to me because she has experience in this, uh, in, like, the whole, like, marketing game and stuff like that. And we're hoping to develop some type of um, Pacific Islander content creator summit so that, um, you know, we can communicate with other Pacifica, content creators once again it's another case of if you want to get a job done you have to do it yourself
0: and that brings me to should we have our own month uh
1: <laughs> do, do you think we should have our own month
0: i feel like we should i mean you know maybe things will change after next for next year maybe we will you know, voices will be heard and we'll get more representation. But I feel like if it doesn't change, then really? yeah, I think we should. Um, it, it would just give us, you know, I've been on YouTube watching, you know, all these Polynesian movies that I can't find or short films that I haven't been able mm-hmm. to find anywhere else. And it's got a lot to offer and i think these artists these directors these writers should be showcased as well as you know every everything else that you know from the doctors lawyers you know it it should be encompassed as a whole Mm -hmm. um to celebrate these achievements that have been made um uh i'm trying to think um I don't really have any great examples that's the problem of people who have done that because we, we don't know. we don't know because usually right. they stay silent they don't you know they don't say anything they don't speak up and I don't know if that's just because they're humble or that they don't think they need to but we need them to to let them know that it's possible to be a lawyer it's possible to be oh like for instance Tulsi Gabbard we mm-hmm. you know She, like, who would have known that, I don't know if she is Afakasi, but I know she is Samoan. If.
1: Uh, Yeah, she's
0: Afakasi. Who would have known that there was someone like her to, you know, somewhat represent us running for the Democratic nominee? Right. Like, I know, I didn't even know she was Polynesian. Until mm-hmm. someone, uh, it wasn't even a Polynesian that brought up. Was it was, uh, it was uh, I think it was on someone else's podcast.
1: Right. Yeah. No. Um. I think in terms of like having a Pacific Islander month. No, I agree with you. I do think we should have our own month um, because I feel like you know, we've it's so easy to erase um, like Pacific Islander voices, especially, you know, when you talk about um, the term AAPI. It's it's really easy for people to kind of overlook Pacific Islander voices, um, because, you know, we're we're a smaller or a smaller group and, you know, living out here in the States especially we're an invisible minority you know people don't really know too much about us or you know they have these preconceived notions that aren't particularly accurate but i think it's incredibly important for us to have our own month not just to kind of share um like our own love and appreciation for our culture, but to, you know, as you were talking about highlight individuals who kind of go above and beyond, you know, doing these spectacular amazing things and, you know, they don't have to play by the rules that have been imposed on us. You know, they don't have to stay within the box that we've been stuffed into and you know, I hope that, you know, with, um, like, with the existence of, you know, the Polynesian community uh, on different social media platforms, you know, with me, TikTok um, specifically, you know, I'm hoping that our voices will uh, begin to, you know, amplify and will be heard and people will understand, you know, we are Pacific Islanders, you know, this is where we came from, this is who we are, both collectively and individually and you know i hope that people will respect that enough to um you know acknowledge that we should probably have our own month i feel like it's appropriate we should probably kind of end to this tendency at least in the u.s where we like to um kind of stuff all people of color together
0: all right that um Is there anything else you would like to bring up or discuss?
1: Uh, No, I just wanted to thank you for um, like for uh, reaching out to me, inviting me on your podcast. I'm super excited for you. Uh, I've never been on a podcast before, so I'm really sorry if I (laughs) talk your ear off. Oh no, it's
0: it's been perfect. Uh, I like to thank you for coming on because you know you're definitely a voice that I think that I know needs to be heard. Um, it's definitely, especially coming from a woman, it's definitely empowering to other Polynesian women. Um, it, you know, I hope like in the future when, you know, when my daughter is old enough to hear this podcast, that she will feel empowered to be able to speak up, um, about some of these issues. Hopefully these issues Mm -hmm. still aren't around by then. Um, Mm -hmm but it's going to be kind of a i think an uphill battle but i think we're getting there um i just hope that you know with the i don't want to call it a backlash but with with what's coming out from this month of aapi mm-hmm. that it will correct itself in the future and hopefully eventually get our own month you know i i don't see why not I, it's something that should be celebrated, and it will also be very educational to those non-Pacific uh, Islanders. Um, right. You know who we are and why we exist.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, but thank you for coming on. Um, and we, oh, uh, you're if you want to give out your Instagram handle and your TikTok
1: yeah no my my instagram and my tiktok and i guess even my twitter all the same at yasi so that's i-a-s-i-m-e-g-i um yeah you'll kind of see me doing my thing out there i guess
0: and i'll link to that in the show notes and our on our instagram page um thank you all for enjoying us uh, uh sorry joining us um Be sure to uh, rate and review on uh, Apple and follow us on uh, Spotify, Google podcast, and pretty much anywhere where podcasts are available. Uh, Thank you for joining us.